podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fernando Alonso takes his 100th career podium before he doesn't. Red Bull dominate and Ferrari are absolutely nowhere. G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friends and yours, Tommy T. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. In your apartment, which is bloody fantastic. And Campy, hello, my friend. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing very well. Thank you so much for um, watching the race live with us, Campy. That was great. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> not only did you not watch it live with us, you came in halfway through and then decided to start having conversations. So to be perfectly honest, I can't quite remember the second half of the race. Yeah, it was fun, though. I enjoyed it. We probably made, like... Pretty boring race, quite enjoyable by having all three of us together. Yeah, it was good to watch it for a second time too. So. <laughs> Picked up on the nuances. It was really like honed in on strategy, I think. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> I picked it up. Came prepared. Just <laughs> <laughs> checking off his notes that he made, just <laughs> referencing back. The, mo- the most overqualified person for this race review is Thomas J. Camp at this yeah. point. I think you're the only person probably in the world who's watched it twice. <laughs> at this stage of the day, yeah. <laughs> it's so early in the day. Hey, uh, listener, it's great to have your company. Thanks for uh, listening and joining us wherever you're listening all across the world. Seriously, I, it, it just blows my mind where I look at the cities that people are listening to. People are constantly listening in Amsterdam, for example. Mind-blowing. Many places in Europe, many places in the States. And then random places here in Australia, like Joondalup. Love it. Massive shout-out to you if you live in Joondalup in West Australia. Um, anyway, it's it's bloody fantastic. But we are here to talk about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Campy, overall thoughts of this race? Uh, not what I expected it to be. I thought it would be a bit more entertaining. I thought the, uh, geez, the Red Bull dominated. I thought the other teams would be a bit more competitive, even with themselves. But, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a snooze fest, but that's all right. I cannot talk about the national anthem. You can talk about the national anthem, Grade sure. five school band they had performing that. That was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that is possibly the worst national anthem we've seen for since we've been doing this podcast, so get better. <laughs> Great news. You've just been asked to do the Oz GP. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see how you go. Just <laughs> ragging on some grade fives. That's really mean. Could you imagine it's a big camp- moment? Would you sing or would you play a bass riff for the national Ooh. anthem? Oh. You win that yeah, Darth Vader guitarist like, that hangs out in Melbourne can <laughs> come and do the national anthem. Might go like flea style on the bass. <laughs> He's done it for the Lakers a few times on his bass. So. Okay. Uh, that's all If you want that to happen, please get onto the OzGP Instagram and <laughs> pound them. <laughs> please write to us. Lakeside Drive, care of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, one Lakeside Drive, Melbourne 3000. So oh, good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, Tommy T, it's not as many red flags as I thought it was going to be. When no. we started the stream, it was like four and a half hours. Like, oh, it looks like there's a red flag in there. It wasn't. It's shocking. No, we did have some like odd yellows where they probably didn't need to be safety cars, I would have thought. But Ooh. we can talk about that as we come to them. Ooh. Yeah, let's go straight into our team by team. Uh, we'll start at the very back of the pack. Uh, McLaren again. <laughs> Mate, that didn't have any DNFs this week, but I'm still putting them down the back. Close Uh, enough. Piastri, though, ahead of Lando Norris. Piastri 15th, Lando in 17th, Campy. Piastri had a a pretty good start until he didn't because of one Frenchman. Yeah, look, I was stoked for him in qualifying. 
performed really well, got into Q3 in his second race in a car that's not very capable. So I was super impressed with that. I predicted last week that he's beat his teammate, and sure enough, he's beat his teammate. The prophet's spoken once again. I'll just take that pat on the back. Thanks, boys. But um, I'll tell you what. Talk about... I love it. No, I love it. I just can't. I like. He only talks into his microphone properly when he says the prophet is spoken. Because he wants it to be clean so he can snip it for Instagram. Now, what I liked about Oscar, he showed real composure for his second race. He doesn't... He's not making dumb mistakes like, you know, like a Max Verstappen who was just something... Oh. You know, making mistakes all the time because he was driving at 150%. His start was so measured, he gave himself lots of space, very conservative. And then for a Frenchman to come and take his wing like that, I mean, look, Gasly, get it together, mate. I can't stand you, but now you're taking my boy's wing out first lap. Not good. It was a shame because we didn't get to see where the where the McLaren was at, you know, race pace-wise and what they could have done starting up. I think he made a couple of positions up off the start too. So a um, bit of a shame for us. Just seeing them drive around at the back, but that geez, it's a pig of a car. He saw yeah. it, you know, when Lando and and Oscar were behind the Williams, they had DRS and still couldn't pass it. Yeah. So I think they, uh, I think they took a photo of me and said he looks pretty uh, aerodynamic and designed their car around that. So that is a pig in a straight line. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> fridge, a fridge. <laughs> I think this is the le- the uh, the Oscar that we saw. Throughout his junior category career as well, yeah, was very responsible. Would manage the drive and understand like the bigger picture, rather than seeing seeing red and going, "I need to make this overtake this lap, this exact lap." He was very measured, and that's kind of I think why all the teams saw so much potential him as him as a future champion potentially because he has that wider view of the race rather than just the instantaneous. I need to get past someone in front of me. It's good yeah. to see from such a young guy. And he went 49 laps on the one tyre too, on that hard tyre, didn't pit during the uh, the safety car. And I thought the way, he, you know, he had a good battle, good race crew. He shows he's got some good race craft yep. racing his teammate. Yeah, it was tight, but he left enough room. He looked like he'd been on the grid for three or four years, not yeah. two races. So yep. big thumbs up for me. Yeah, it shows, it shows a lot of promise, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I think for... For us as Australian fans, obviously, we're still carrying a lot of baggage from that McLaren and Daniel yep. Ricciardo. Uh, yep. But for, for Lando Norris, you know, he's he's really got to look over his shoulder now, I think, with, with Oscar Piastri. I know it's probably too early to say that, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, with this, the Australian bias, but also the fact is we've, you both have just said very well that Oscar is a very intelligent race driver. His race craft is phenomenally good. He was is very respectful. He left a lot yeah. of room, a lot of times. He left Gasly plenty of bloody room he in did. that first corner and Gasly still buggered it for him, which is disappointing. But McLaren generally, it's just no good. How happy were you when Lando put it in the wall who qualifying? You know I must how happy admit, I was. I must admit, I saw it and I was like, yes, <laughs> come on. Uh, let's talk about Williams uh, that seemed to have a not-so-good time. They looked pretty okay for a little bit, but then they didn't. Logan Sargent finishing in 16th and Alex Albon uh, bowing out with the DNF. <sighs> the cast looks bloody great, Tommy T, doesn't it? It, it does. It's brilliant looking. And then we were commenting on the, the helmets for the the team. Like All of it's coming together. It looks good. The car is brilliant on a straight. They just don't have... That last little bit, do they? And you wonder if that's some upgrades that can come throughout the year and if it's a hangover from, like, the previous regime that hasn't been able to be completely removed. So it's positives. I think, like, yeah, it would be nice to see both cars finish. 
would have been much better. Albon was having a good race and Sargent's still young. Like he's still, he was never going to be as as good as we thought Oscar would be, but he's impressed me to be honest to start this season. Oh, I think Sargent's qualifying was horrendous. I mean, he didn't get any time in the car either. So yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's a shame. And in your second race in Formula One, you need time in the car. But that spin where he got on the brakes and the rear's just locked up. Oh. You know, that's just all the brake balance being at the rear. Or the car's not calibrated probably, you know, just spun straight out. It's like you put the uh, put a rear wheel on the grass yeah. and spun out like that. So that's not helpful. But, um, yeah, I said last week I think they're the most likely car to crash. And it didn't crash, but they had lots of spins on the weekend. Mm. So the car setup's not great. But, yeah, it's slippery. And I think album was great. It was it's a like shame. a C for the profit then. Yeah. It's not a full A. <laughs> well, Can't give you full points. It's, um, what do you call it? It's like... You got half of it. We just didn't get the full picture. Yeah, you didn't so. show you working out. Yeah, that's it. Just, <laughs> <laughs> how did we end up here? <laughs> just made shit up. But it was a shame to see Albon with his brake issue. Brake ball wise, they they should not go wrong. Those things, and mm. maybe it was a pad that worn out and the discs were gone too hot. Who knows? But yeah, it's a shame to see that. I am enjoying James Vows though on the pit wall, although Tommy T didn't sound like <laughs> he was on the pit wall, did it? No, we decided he was underwater. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, maybe call. they're just spending all their money on other things instead of the communications to from race control to elsewhere. But, yeah, it didn't sound great, but it's good to, to hear from James. Let's talk about Alfa Romeo. Uh, VB did not have a good race, not compared to last uh, time around. In Bahrain, he finished eighth. Here, he finished 18th. Joe Guanyu finishing in 13th. Campy, not good for our adopted Australian. No, I think once he got to the point where he was out of position, um, I mean, they made some they made some passes off the start, and I think they were in sort of eleventh or twelfth. But it became clear towards the end of the race that they probably weren't going to score points, so they decided to pit him late and put an extra set of uh, softs on, I believe. And I think that I think they're going into a bit of testing mode, bit of information, split the strategy a bit, like what McLaren did by running Oscar Super Long and having land on the on the mediums for that. You know, after the, I think they were doing that. So shame for Bottas, but the pace is in the car and. The other thing I'd say is I struggle a bit to tell the difference between the Alfa Romeo, the Haas, and the Alfa Terry when it's on track front on because mm. they all look red and white and I'm like, which one's which? So, yeah. Anyway, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's impossible. Thing, right? yep. So It's going to yeah. make it your commentary hard at the Australian Grand Prix. Um, listen out for that. Hey, you've got a busy day. You're going to go straight from the, uh, from the national anthem straight to the commas box. Are you waving the flag as well? Are you alongside Damon Hill or are you Damon Hill? <laughs> for the purposes I'm going to wave the flag 10. better than Serena Williams did. <laughs> <laughs> for someone so competent in her sport to be able to wave a flag like that, fucking get it together. <laughs> Can I introduce you to Tim Cook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was shit too. <laughs> Maybe we can go through worst flag waves one day. That's an episode. <laughs> yeah. Rank flag waving. Oh. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's not It's not where I would have expected Alfa Romeo. It seems like, yet again, for Haas and Alfa Romeo, the Ferrari power unit customers, they're just not in the mix at all. And that's because the main team is also in the mix of the mid-pack, not in the mix towards the front like we all mm. thought we would. We'll talk about them in a bit. Let's talk about Alpha Tauri, though, now. Nick DeVries in 14th and Yuki Tsunoda in 11th. TT, we've sort of said this, but DeVries doesn't look like he's fully gelled with this car yet. Nah, he doesn't seem happy with how it's 
set up. I think it's not his style of driving or whatever it is. He's just he's taking his time to get acclimatized to how that car needs to be driven. Whereas Yuki, who's been part of that team for a while, is is doing I, I think pretty well. I don't think that car's brilliant, and he's kind of hovering right around the points, which is what we kind of would have expected. And he's doing much better than his teammates. So I think Yuki's had a good start to the year. You'd hope to see him get more points, but I don't think you can fault him so far. Oh, he's right in the mix up until about two laps to go when yeah. uh, who was it got, got past him? Can't remember. Um, minor points. It's but Gasly. Yeah, it was. Got past him, I think. Anyway, he didn't qualify well. They both got knocked down Q3 and they went a bit longer than everybody else, which made, I mean, he jumped up to, I think he's running in eighth position. Just, um, after the safety car period. So they got that side of the strategy right. I would have liked to see Yuki go on and get some points, but um, the car's not there, and 11th is as good as you're going to get in that car, I think. As for his teammate, well, two races in and hasn't shown us much. And mm. you've, I mean, it's tough to be in that position. I mean, he's come and he's won some championships. He's, he's lived out his dream, failed at it originally, gone somewhere else, come yep. back to do it, you know, to, in a sport where you only generally get 11 races to prove yourself unless mm. you're a, someone like a Oscar Piastri or a Max Verstappen on debut where you're almost guaranteed two or three years. Yeah. These are the guys that, are you know, they have to get it right the first time and after 11 races they don't get it right. They're not getting a contract for next year. These teams will just move on to the next person that's in yeah. line. So shame for him, but he's got to get better. But, I mean, by race six – you would expect that he'd be on top of the car and procedures and what a mm. race weekend looks like and pushing for results. Not not necessarily getting them every weekend, but at least putting yourself in the right positions to score points and make yourself look a bit more attractive off track than what – does that make sense? Yeah, but points and debut in a Williams last year compared to, to the AlphaTauri this year probably yes. just shows how not well put together this car is yep. at the moment, yep. but also how – the sort of the right direction for Williams for last year. So he's, he's clearly got the potential yeah. to do it. Both Yuki and him are not really doing all that well, considering this is the second race now out of the points, which is also not good for our combined fantasy team, Campy, which is exactly the same team. <laughs> reason I put Yuki in so that me and James have the same team. <laughs> so I cannot lose from here. Just copy him every week and he can't lose. I'm, I'm going to stop telling you about what I'm doing. Uh, let's talk about Haas. Uh, Kevin Magnussen in 10th and Nico Hulkenberg in 12th. Tommy T, Hulk had a really good qualifying, mm-hmm. except for these track limits, which then threw him out yep. Um, yep. of sync. It's It feels like he's he's there or thereabouts with the car, but there's other stuff that happens if it's the other performance of the car or his teammate or strategy or something else within the yep. Haas space, and it doesn't doesn't quite go that way it's for him. just textbook Hulk really it's kind of what we've seen his whole career he's been so close all the time it's like it's reminiscent of those Renault days with Daniel because we were watching very closely at that time obviously but yeah he just he has brilliant moments and then something lets it down like I don't think the start was brilliant either for him no so just little things like that just have let him down but I think he's early on cemented himself as the number one in that team he's clearly got a better grip with that card this year, I wonder if Magnuson will claw that back. But well, I think it's pushing them at least. K Mag had to come back and beat him this weekend after yeah. the weekend that he had last week. So good for K Mag in that instance. For me, Hulk put in the first two weekends, he's put himself in better positions. Mm. But they passed each other on track two or three times this race. Yeah. 
because one was following the other with DRS. And once they change, you know, they get the, the opportunity to try and get that four to five second gap yeah, yeah, up yeah. above each other. But I think I think for Haas as an organisation, they wouldn't be expecting to get both cars in the points on a race like this. So for K-Mag to get points and Hulk to be right behind him, they are pretty evenly matched. And I yep. think it's ultimately good for the uh, organisation. What I was talking about before, Hulk's putting himself in those in those places to get good results. He hasn't got them yet, but he, if he continues to do it, the, yeah. f- the switch is going to go off at some stage and he's going to contribute week in, week out. So two races in, you can't really judge him, but he's yep. done exceptionally in the first two weekends. We always talk about the- this. When is the time of the year, what race, can mm. we start judging? Because we're like, not yet, not yet, not yet. Yes. And then all of a sudden we're like, nah, done. We haven't said this for a while, but Campy, was it Seb Vettel in Ferrari in 21? Where you were like, I'm giving him seven races and by yeah. race two you put him immediately in the bin. Nice, oh, he spun again. <laughs> How, what, what? Well, that's boring listening though. People will attest to that. So It's not fun when you have to follow your own rules, is it? No. <laughs> you have to make oh, up as look, we go. Oh, look, rookies... I think you've got to give them half a year. Okay. I mean, we've seen what drivers do, and I've said this before, we've seen what drivers do like Stroll. When they come in, they're so shit, they never deserve a seat in the first place. <laughs> but after three or four years in the sport, and and Gasly too. <laughs> no, there but it is. <laughs> for consistency. After three or four years in the sport, they're actually competent drivers and they can get the job done because yeah. they've been in the system and they've been given ample opportunity to get it right. Are they performing at the peak? No. I think for rookies, you've got to give them at least half a year. Yeah. People like Hulk making comebacks and K-Mag and guys like Albon and Ocons who have left the sport and then come back into it. Mm. I mean, what, there's five drivers out of 20 on the grid that have left the sport and come back yeah. to it at some stage, which is rare for us, but... Mm. Um, those guys you can judge a bit quicker, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Carlos and Leclerc, you've got to judge them straight away on their performances because they've been in the sport for so long. And, it, and in that team. They so, have a yeah. reputation yeah. and it's it's solidified in the sport and they'll either get better or they'll get worse mm. on their performances even after one or two races. So mm. that's where I sort of feel it is. Yeah, so you're thinking maybe not quite halfway, not quite mid-season break, you're thinking – Five races? No, I still think half a year. For the for Hulk? For the, and- oh, for Hulk, four races. Four, four. or five. There you go. All right. Four so or Baku. five. Baku. Yeah, four or five, yep. <laughs> four Seven. or five. Four. And you, or five. Three. No, but you put, you put Gasly in that too because he's gone to a new team. Yeah. And oh, you've got to give that's them. That's generous of you actually. No, but you've got to no, give them. one race for him. You've got to give them time to adjust to a new environment, new procedures, new cars, new yep. setups, new every steering wheel, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You've got to give them time to adjust. Now, mm-hmm. the reality is they'll be able to race day one, but they're not going to have everything right in place. So you need to give them some time to do it. So, but, you know, I mean, Ocon's Banked Gasly in qualifying this weekend, which I was like, it was a good three and a half, four tenths, which is a bad weekend for Gasly. Luckily, his race pace redeemed himself somewhat on paper, but I think Ocon will be the number one driver, and I predicted that last year, and the profit's always right. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I love that we had a good period of time without you referring to yourself as the profit. I'm back. Some things either happened or you you reminded yourself or I reminded you. My predictions went. Weren't going nowhere for two years, so I sort of stopped them. But sounds like this year I'm going nowhere for two years. This year I've reset, and I, you know, I love it. Well, if we can just follow the profits project trajectory, 
I think we're as a one. podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, again, can you predict something good for our podcast? That'd be nice. Go on. Oh, maybe what, half a million downloads by yep. mid-season. How oh. many races in is that? <laughs> Ten or eleven. You can judge us on that. <laughs> Ten or eleven. It's the or, which is the important part. I love it. <laughs> of this. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the Frenchman. Um, Alpine, Gasly, ninth, Ocon, eighth. Good points, Hall Campy, for your favourite team. Great for Alpine. They need to bounce back. Um, I expected them to bounce back this weekend because I think the car was better than what they looked like last week. Um, Ocon, as I said, great qualifying. Gasly, shit ass in qualifying. Mm. But they got double points and you can't complain with that. That's where they're at. I would have liked to see them put a bit more pressure on for Ferrari this weekend, but I think they were a bit conservative in their race strategy. And it sounds like a lot of the teams were a bit conservative with tyres. They were a bit worried about them getting to the end. So they, you know, I I know Otmar suggested after the race that he wanted to, um, he was putting pressure on the team to push more on the tyres, but the engineers said no. So anyway, good weekend for them. Double points, good. Yeah, they definitely need that Tommy T, don't they? I mean, it, it was pretty disastrous last yeah. last time around with penalty on penalty for Ocon. You just expect them to be in a better position as well as a team. Like the trajectory was up and this they've started the season behind where we, we would hope they were. Yeah, last week was diabolical, wasn't it, really? Um, Although not just an issue for Alpine, it seems an issue for every mechanic. Can't help touching a car yeah. when it comes in. It's no good. It's just really no good. Bit of self-control, boys. <laughs> it's just. Let's keep going. Let's talk about Ferrari because I know we're talking about Alpine giving it to Ferrari for a bit, but, I mean, Ferrari 6th and 7th. TT, I sort of touted Ferrari as this was their track. Red Bull touted Ferrari as they'll be pretty dominant because yep. it's different tyre degradation, different surface, completely different from Bahrain. But they were just bloody hopeless. Yeah, just just lacking pace everywhere. Really, I don't think that the tire choices they had were were brilliant. I just don't think these compounds for the allocation this week were in in their favour. But Ferrari don't look as dominant as we were expecting, especially around this track. So it's uh, it's pretty ominous looking for the rest of the season. I would say. Yeah, I thought I thought they were probably the third best grid on the car. Yeah, um. <laughs> I love that you have to think about the joke. I know, and then it's deliver. Horrible, it's horrible. <laughs> um, but that was shit this weekend. They were worse than Mercedes, yep. and falling into the grips of an Alpine. That's not a good look for that organization. No. Maybe they, maybe Ferrari got it right by sacking Bonotto. Maybe they foresaw what we're seeing on track now. It's mm. not good for Fred Vasseur, because mm. yeah. he's going to be. Under a lot of pressure, I don't think internally from the organisation, but he's just gone on externally. Though, yeah, externally, yeah. the perception is is he's performing terribly, mm. and in reality, it might take until the end of next season to get an actual value judgment on mm. what he brings to the organisation, the changes yeah. that he's made, and if it's heading in the right direction. But oh, look, this could be like another 2020, uh, 2019, 2020 season for them where they got caught cheating and their car just lacked paces everywhere. Yeah. Allegedly. 
Well, they definitely cheated. <laughs> Allegedly. 100,000% they cheated. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, we should I, get sued. I will put my house on it. Sue me, Ferrari, you cheated. <laughs> Shut up. Um, from a podcast point of view, allegedly, Campy's uh, views reflect only his views. If Ferrari want to write to us directly, I'm happy to give you his phone number yeah. and, and personal address. Mate, I'll email him too. <laughs> I'll put it in writing. What What is interesting to me, and I said this to Freya in our quality review chat, is that it's very clear to me, Campy, now that Carlos Sainz is the second driver in that team. Ooh, his, yeah. yeah, I know. I know. It sucks to say, but yeah, I think it's set. Is there any danger of you talking into this microphone at all? Sorry, I can't see you. Let's he wants to look at your beautiful face, Jim. Thank you. I'm going to hide behind my pop filter. Um, yeah, no, it's not good. I think that gap will get bigger and bigger as the season goes on, and I think he will be out of that Ferrari seat probably by the end. He's got a contract for next year, so. We know what they're worth. Yeah. Well, what, what are they worth, Campy? Well, I mean, look, let's wargame it. Okay. Hang on, everyone. If. Stop the stop the count. We'll wargame it. Turn on the TikTok camera. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's do this for TikTok. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're Ferrari and you've made the changes at the top end with Bonotto, you've got two drivers that have incredibly good uh, – what's the right word? I don't know. Stop TikToking me. I'm on the spot. <laughs> stop TikToking <laughs> I'm on the spot. They've got good reputations, right? They haven't performed in the machinery they got, and we're still asking the question whether or not that is because of the machinery's poor or is it, are they the best racing yeah. drivers. What is becoming apparent is that Carlos Sainz isn't cutting it against his teammate. They've made some tough decisions at the top end. Do they start making the decision at a driver level and then try and pick up someone like Lando Norris and yeah. bring him into it? Or he's the logical person to bring it into. Yeah. Or does Checo get shafted by Red Bull and then jump into a Ferrari so that he can potentially be the number one driver because he's got runs on the board? Mm. If I'm Ferrari as an organisation, I'm starting to think about that already after two races in this season. And a lacklustre, mediocre last year from Carlos Sainz. I'm Carlos's biggest fan. I want him to perform well. Always have. I've Mm. loved what he's done. Unfortunately, if I look at some of the teammates he's had, he's always played second tier to the A-class drivers that he's raced against, being Max Verstappen, um, his current one in Leclerc, and there was yep. somebody else he raced with somewhere. I can't remember. Hulkenberg? Yeah. Yep. Well, no, he was just as good as Hulkenberg. He's beaten Hulkenberg. But mm. against those top-tier drivers, he was that. He was just that fraction, of, you know, a tenth off everywhere else. It was enough to give you hope, right? Like he was never that far away. But still be touted as an excellent driver. Yeah. And I think mm. Ferrari, will, if he continues to particularly qualify and get outpaced like that, then um, – but let's not forget, though, in 2020, he was the stronger driver out of the pair in the Ferrari. Was he? I mean, we talked about him being that way, and I thought that was more just because I'm trying to talk him up because I wasn't oh, the potentially biggest. Potentially, it is. Leclerc. Maybe my memory is only doing that justice. Uh, maybe because I was. I'm not the biggest Leclerc fan. I'd rather see Sainz beat Leclerc, but I think over the three or the two two full seasons and the start of this season, mm-hmm. Leclerc clearly has the upper hand. Yeah. It, it's – I know what you're saying because Carlos is so likeable as a guy. You like his style of driving. When he's on, he's brilliant to watch. But Leclerc's kind of like hard to deny now as being one of the better drivers on the grid. Are we but saying – But Sainz will still have those five to six weekends a year where he beats Leclerc yep. comfortably because yep. he's that sort of driver and he's got it in him. But 
with 23 races in a season now, that just ain't going to cut it over the year. We're so. seeing, I think, another Rubens Barrichello, Felipe mm. Massa, without the ability to potentially win a championship in the last couple of laps for another Ferrari driver. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, the, one of those drivers has to take that path, don't they? I mean, yep. it is just it is the reality of our sport that that, that happens. But I think Leclerc ultimately gets in that category as well if he stays in the Ferrari for long enough. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. I think at the end of this year, there's a lot of contracts up yep. and certainly in the end, the end of next year and what happens because if Ferrari don't pick up this pace, as we've said plenty of times in the last six months, at what point do Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc say, I'm out. See you guys, we're done. You're clearly not, you know, going towards the front. And maybe Fred is enough to keep Charles there for a while. Yep. But Carlos would be looking elsewhere too if, you know, whatever happens at one of the other teams, he's not a bad pick. And he was a Red Bull junior for a while too. So if, you know, as much as I'd love Danny yep. Rick to go into that seat, if, if Checo was suddenly to depart, there'd be a good option in Carlos Sainz of that Red Bull family too. His dad's still part of the Red Bull family. Anyway, I mean, who knows what mm. happens later on. But Ferrari as an organisation need to get it together to give these, these guys a championship winning car. It's hard to cross lines too. And I put the lines as Mercedes, Red Bull and Ferrari. Mm-hmm. They're sort of three. They're the three top drives that are the most desirable and the ones you want. Yep. If you've pigged around in these junior teams in those support lanes and then switched in there, once you got to the top of one of those organisations, it's very hard to switch across and it doesn't happen very often and work. The mm. changes are a Lewis Hamilton in a, you know, going from McLaren to Mercedes whenever he did in 2012, 13, and then 14. The car was amazing. So that's the only time it really works when there's a changing of the guard. But other than that, how many drivers switch between the top those top three teams and it becomes successful? Not really. They normally drop back and then move sideways and try to get into it. Look at Danny Rick. He was in a top team. Dropped back, tried to move laterally to get back Mm. into a top spot and it didn't work out for him and it wasted probably, what, four, five years of his career in doing so. I don't think these guys have the time to win world championships against Red Bull and Max Verstappen because they're going to be that good for the next four or five years and it's, you know, it just gets hard to sort of analyse it and figure out where it you know, what ultimately happens and predict, but it'll be fun talking about it. So Yeah. Let's talk about something that really pisses me off, and this is this penalty that's handed out after the race. Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin are who we're talking about next. Stroll had a DNF. Uh, let's talk about that first, actually. Safety car, was it necessary, Tommy T? I don't think so. It was pretty much off the track. It was very much off the track. Yeah. He did all of the work for the marshals. He yeah, drove it into the, the bay. Well least, out of uh, the firing At least line. a virtual for 30 seconds. Yeah. And the problem is the safety car was called. Why not just pull it in after... Like literally 30 seconds could have had that car off the track. Yeah. I understand that once you made the call and the track data suggested yep. that it was – I get it. I think they're a bit too safety conscious around this this track because of the incidents we've had previously. Yeah. Because if there is an incident where someone hits a wall, you generally need a red flag to clean mm. it up and make it safe again. So that's probably the thinking. But in hindsight, it was a dumb call and they shouldn't have made it. Would have made the race way more interesting. Probably the same result, but mm. would have made it more interesting. Yeah, it was good though, at least for Piastri to be bunched up towards the back of the pack. It's kind of the only good thing that I could see about it. And yep. Alonso got a slightly cheaper pit stop to serve his five-second penalty. That all went wrong, Campy. Yep. Well, look, I don't like I don't like the fact that he got penalised for being in the box. I just I like he's got he's got two wheels inside it, and he's slightly to the left or right. Who cares? 
He's not past the line. He should be able to dictate where his car sits. But there is rules in place, so they gave him the penalty. What I don't like about – I can understand why they gave him the 10-second penalty because technically they touched the car and you've got to have – you can't – in these arenas you yeah. can't have grey areas in rules because teams will manipulate it and work it to their own. So you've got to be – you know, you've got to be the principal and hand down the punishments. What I don't like is that – the way it was dished out. They didn't give it to after the race. Yeah. Because Alonso in his first stint, he knew he had a five-second penalty. He said okay, which meant he could manage his first stint and the mm-hmm. pace that he was driving at and get that seven or eight-second gap behind him so that when he did his pit stop, he still had two or three seconds up yeah. his sleeve and it wasn't an issue. If he had have known he was getting a 10 seconds, you know, 10 minutes after his – his pit stop, mm-hmm. um, he would have managed that race and built that 10-second gap out yep. more and they would have raced hard to do it. Unfortunately, in a sport where the governing body and the nature of it means that these guys are not driving 110%, they're fuel-saving and they're braking coasting and they're yeah. not driving as hard as they possibly can, these are the sorts of problem with the rules and handing that out. I think they can get better at it because, look, we do this – we've done this enough – that they should have this shit figured out by now. Within two laps of him serving that pit stop inefficiently, they should have that feedback to the team. I don't know why it takes longer than that because they're not analysing anything. It's known. I guarantee you the stewards didn't even notice it and it wasn't until someone at Mercedes had been (laughs) studying the footage and all the footage for 40 minutes for the rest of the race and they finally found it and said, oh, we've got him now, send this to the stewards and that's what – and so I get it, but it's like for the stewards to just say, well, this is bullshit. Like, it's like you've got three laps to sense. lodge a complaint. If it's after that, then Yeah, and if, if they haven't handed out the the penalty within five laps of it occurring for something like that yeah. in a really – for an instance that doesn't affect the outcome of a race. Yeah. Something stupid like that. Statute of limitations. You can't do that after the race. That's – it's – yeah. Spot on. It, what, and the, the problem for me is it's about the quality of the sport for fans. Yes. Yep. Alonso celebrated on the podium. Yep. He was interviewed yep. by David Coulthard. Yep. You know, sprayed the champagne and everything else, and people going, Fernando Alonso. And they're like, fourth? What? Yeah. But he was on the podium. Oh, well, one of the mechanics touched the car and we gave him a 10-second penalty after the race. Why? This is the only sport in the world I can think of that does stuff like that. Like the siren goes, you know who wins in every other sport Changes because they, the just, they decide all this. It's only our sport that hours after a race is finished, you get told who actually won or what the actual results are. It's yeah. insanity. It's ridiculous to me. But the good news, though, is that Aston Martin are still as strong as they were last week, yeah. uh, last round, and I think they're going to be the second – well, they are the second fastest car on the grid. Of that, there is no doubt. Lance Stroll, although not as good a driver as Fernando Alonso, was pulling some pretty good moves, can't Yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. But that's what happens when you get machinery under you that is faster than everyone else. It makes you look better than them regardless of you. I mean, you look at the comparison between Alonso and Stroll. Yes. And thus far this year, Alonso's made him look second rate. And I did say that I think Stroll will be the Achilles heel for that team and the constructors moving forward. But I think Alonso will bank enough points most weekends yep. to get it. You know, look, the the difference for them is is real and it's definitely there. But it's exciting to see Alonso. Who doesn't want to see Alonso up the front competing? That yeah. first stint against Perez, 
Yeah. Played it perfectly, got yeah. in that DRS and was in there for seven or eight laps, which helped him build that gap between totally. him to, you know. I mean, the guy's got some pace too. I think Stroll is capable of that. No, I don't. But anyway, yeah. that's that's all right. I can handle putting up with Stroll in that second seat while I'm watching Fernando get quality results. The reliability is obviously an issue, but it's something hopefully that these teams can sort out because it's not just Aston Martin, it's not just Ferrari, it's not just Red Bull. It's everybody no, it's, yeah, is yeah. suffering a version of something and I suppose it's what happens with slightly new regulations. Oh, and if this is like what the cost captors has brought upon us, I'm not about it because I don't want to see DNFs from mechanical issues or grid place changing second race of the year is not what we want for taking extra parts. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you a bit. But I don't mind the mechanicals during the race. During the race, I'm okay with I grew up watching F1 in the 90s when McLaren would be 45 seconds ahead of everybody and you still knew the car was going to blow up 50% (laughs) of the time because, you know, that that era between like – just pick some years. <laughs> Even 2000, like 2006, 7, 8, 9, I mean, I know Mick had one in 98, 99. You still expected, but in that 2000 era, that car that they came out with was unbelievably quick and quicker than anything else after post-Ferrari. However, <laughs> However <laughs> it blew up all the time. Yeah. And I don't mind seeing that if teams are pushing it to sure. the nth degree everywhere. But you knew that they could then just replace it because they had the money. The issue we're going to have now is like, what kind of cars are they going to be running out in lap in the, race 23 we're, we're, when they've used all their allocation and they're getting – We're talking about old motors that probably materially cost, you know, $60,000 to produce. We're not talking about motors that, you know, $6.5 million, mm. you know, $6.5 million pound for Mercedes to supply an engine to someone with all the tech support on it. It was a bit easier back then to do yeah. it. So – yeah, let's talk about Mercedes. George Russell then got elevated onto the podium position of finishing third and your favourite campy, the reason. And Hamilton finished in fifth even though once against the last Got four tenths. <laughs> so I think I just enjoyed your reaction more than anything else yeah. to that. Um, but again... Is this a really woeful showing for Mercedes? Is it is it the doom and gloom, Tommy T, that... Toto Wolf has come out and said. This is what I expected, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Like, honestly, this is exactly where I expected. I, um, it's not dramatically disappointing, like, or and it's not impressive in any way. It's exactly where I thought that would be. And the prophet was wrong for once because I said that a- For once? It's often. <laughs> I said that a customer team was going to surpass a, a works you team. Did. And you I did. was spot on. You were. And you, you were. laughed in my face. <laughs> you did. And it's on podcast, so people can go back and listen to that one when Campy was wrong. <laughs> oh, jeez. But no, I think I'm wrong is- 100 times a day because I just talk more bullshit than you. This is the only time I'm right, so I'm writing this one. Uh, no, this is exactly where I thought Mercedes would be. I think Toto is carrying on and he's playing his role as like distract from the drivers, which he's done a good job of because we're not really talking about Lewis and, and George much. We're talking about Toto and the team. So, Job done. That's yeah, that's kind of his role there. Is to, and that's what I think um, Christian Horner does quite well is often distract and take a lot. Of, he's the meat shield for that team and he takes <laughs> he meat t- shield. He, t- he takes all of the abuse, <laughs> which is exactly exactly your role it's, there, really. You two are on fire this morning. <laughs> a meat shield. What's a meat shield? It's the studio, I think. I think we should 
This is the studio. I was getting distracted by watching a helicopter <laughs> flying in and out of uh, the river. So uh, well, we can't record here anymore, Jazz. We're distracted by aircraft. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, you should buy some laser pointers, Tommy. <laughs> no, don't do that. Oh I was flying back from the UK at some point last year and I was flying over Malaysia looking out the window and I got yeeted in my eye by a laser pointer. <laughs> Not even kidding. No way. Looking out the window, no green laser way. pointer. Oh, it would have been like, I don't know, miles and miles and miles wow. away. And it lays the aircraft, and I like actually couldn't see properly out of that eye for a couple of days. Wow. Ridiculous! Don't do that. Don't point laser pointers at aircraft, especially not into business class. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Lasers the plebs in economy. Um, well, in that right, James? Well, I just put some reflectors on the screen, the reflectors on the window that pushes that shit back. Wait till uh, wait till I show you the path that I'm taking to fly to Scotland in May. <laughs> uh, let's get going. Let, let's finish up talking about Red Bull. Uh, Max Verstappen uh, putting it in second from uh, well back. Yeah. Uh, the safety car also benefited him. Sergio Perez winning, which is good for him. Will be the only time this year he does that, so that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And now Max doesn't have to be nice to him and look after him. He's had a win. That's true. Right now. I think it was str- – oh, I think Max was managing an issue clearly. Yeah. Mm. He heard a noise and he was a bit worried. And so he should be after yesterday. Oh, yeah. Sorry, after qualifying. Exactly. And, I mean, that time he did in Q1 would have put him on P3 or P4, if I'll stand corrected, but I think it was P3. Mm. And he was half a second quicker than Perez. He had so much more yep. time in that once he picked that car up into where it was going to be. Perez, great result for him. I mean, clap, clap, got to give him. <laughs> Doesn't even clap, just Good. says clap, clap. Wicked. <laughs> oh, I think Max Max led him off tonight. I think Max mm. was like, got second. I think they would have had a conversation this morning with the team and said, Max, if you get in a second, we're just going to shut the engines down and we're going to yeah. play. We'll make it like we're pushing and we'll talk like we're pushing. Yeah. But I think behind closed doors, one, two for Red Bull. In consecutive race weekends, first time it's happened since ever, I think. So, yeah. good on them. Um, but Max will dominate him at the next race. His raw pace is unbelievable. Yeah. I expected him to hunt Perez down that six seconds. but I think his mechanical issue stopped him there. And also yeah. he was probably thinking, do I really need to have a DNF or can I just manage for a second? Because mm. he was well ahead of Alonso. Yeah. So he knew he yep. could just manage. Was it worth really trying to do it for the potential DNF if he pushed too hard? And I think this early in the season too, Red Bull are trying to bank as many points as they can. They're just going to wrap up the constructors by midway through the year and then just chill. If this was race 18, it would be a very different scenario. Actually, can we campaign for that? Can they wrap up the constructors real early and then we can have Max unleashed just like not being a good teammate because it's already wrapped up, just being absolutely ruthless for race wins? Well, say one, two for what? Ten races. Yeah. I don't think they're touchable for the rest of the year, are they? Well, like you've said, Strolls aren't really banking a lot of points. That's so an issue for Aston. So Aston can't really walk away with second as quickly. Ferrari's all over the place. Mercedes all over the place. Like it's very possible if they keep getting one twos and then third is constantly changing. Well, Mercedes are currently running second in the championship. Yeah, that's such a Mercedes thing to do, isn't it? (laughs) They've got a useless car, but they're still just running second. And Ferrari are fourth. It's just ridiculous. The Aston Martin in third is is bloody fantastic. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's finish this one up before we talk about fantasy names uh, with Bernie Collins. I could say I said Collins yesterday. It was a mistake. Bernie Collins. Fan-bloody-tastic. Although Sky Sports can't be cannot have two people from Scotland. They can only have one at a time. <laughs> yeah, very thick accent, that, that one we've seen this weekend. Yeah. 
No, I think like great insight. I think the Brilliant. one thing that James and I talked about maybe just increase the levels a bit so we can hear someone talking. Softly spoken people, fine. Just increase the volume to match. Like you. I put. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's my job to turn a microphone up. Maybe someone in Sky Sports wants to do their job. Yeah. Maybe that would be bloody be nice, wouldn't it? But no, I think the insight was excellent. Like talking yeah. about it's Windows. Great. And it's really nice to hear that perspective because we all think we're armchair strategists that can come in and tell Ferrari what to do, which to be honest for Ferrari we probably could. <laughs> However, for the other teams, the strategists are actually really good at their jobs. So yeah, it's yeah. nice to see the insight about what they're constantly thinking about. And it sounds like to me that there is a live situation happening and it's like if anything happens, if this, 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 this happens right now, this is what we do. And the team's aware of it. The drivers are aware of it. At any moment, oh. they can react and, and implement the strategy change. It's, they were talking about it in commentary today at lap ten. Oh, we're in the we're in the um the safety car window. Yeah. So if that safety car opens now, yes, we'll be in. But if yeah. it's in three laps, no, we'll uh, we'll be starting yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, that's how like detail orientated Formula One is. That's how they've got this down scenario by scenario, lap to lap, you know, changing. It's my brain to think of how many variables are involved. So Mm. every lap that changes is like a change in variables. There's 19 other cars out there doing their own independent things that you can't control that impacts your race. It's wild to think how much they're trying to calculate instantaneously. And then you've got things like Aston Martin saying, Oh, pit, 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 and then he doesn't come in and then, you know, the Ferraris the come in, the dummies, and you got to pick up on that stuff. I'd be just flipping a coin and going, you, that's you, good. You'd dummy every time, wouldn't you? Uh, you'd love a dummy. No, I'd be getting real cri- – I reckon I'd go real cryptic on the radio messaging like Lewis. Secret codes. My tyres suck and then go and set a fastest lap. <laughs> <laughs> the worst code of all time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Until his tyres are actually struggling. Well, look, I think it's the, it's one of the few things that Sky Sports have done really well is bring her on board because it's legitimately made a big difference yep. to the experience of watching it. All right, that's the team by team analysis done. Here are the fantasy names. We've got 108 of you part of our league. Let's try and get it to 500. Tell a friend. Doesn't matter where you come. With there are points. Uh, points don't always mean prizes, but in this instance, they do. As well as team names, if I can figure out who's actually writing them, of which I still can't do yet. Thanks, oh. this website. Here we go. Hamilton of excuses. Uh, it's a long season ahead. Uh, return of the Jetta GP. Saudi Cheddar Courtship GP, which I think is Saudi Jetta Corniche. Wordplay. Anyway, <laughs> cruiser update campy. Where's your, where's your cruiser campy? Uh, he's got a front-wheel drive Hilux instead. Oh. Only here to win coffee. Oh. <laughs> Aston Martin Mercedes RB23. How bad is his website? It is very bad. Yep. Um, Jetta instead of a better. Very good. <laughs> it's very, very, very good. good. Team LeCampy, which is uh, his favourite. Thank you. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Dr. Cam's biohazard bin buds. <laughs> Dr. Campy. <laughs> Licensed GP, oh, very, very scary. good. John McLaren, dear F1, and the three certainties, death, taxes, and Hulkenback. That is very, very what good. What the D's ones? What was that one? I don't know, mate. You pick it. It was Nick D's fries. It was pretty oh, good. Oh, well, I said it last week. <laughs> oh, if you were you? paying attention, goodness nah, me. Nah. Lots of great names in there. And we are running a competition, the best name and the person who comes first, which is Campy's trying his hardest to do that, yeah. uh, will win some coffee and some merchandise. Um, coffee is not far away, but the other thing that's not far away is the Australian Grand Prix, boys. Yeah. It is the next 
round uh we are potentially going to do some beers on the friday after catch up we will let you Definitely. all know probably um, saturday night too the best place to find all of that out though is uh, on our discord server which is full of bloody fantastic people and a massive shout out to you if you're part of our discord server we really really appreciate it but that's it lads thank you so much tt you're welcome welcome to my house Thanks don't say too long <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us, mate. It's very <laughs> better very wrap this chic. one up then. <laughs> Get out. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a rating or review and a massive shout out to you if you've joined us because of being on the Apple homepage last week, which was bloody fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we will see you very, very soon uh, in a couple of weeks for all of the Australian Grand Prix goodness. But the best place to find all of the Australian point of view on Formula One is here at Lakeside Drive. Uh, we'll see you very soon. I did. I did just, drive down there the other day on my way to golf, and there was a thousand idiots taking photos of just like I don't know. Was it James taking? It's not videos nice to talk about me. And then I pulled over and then said hi to my mate who was standing. <laughs> He's wearing a. Anyone want to buy a hat? Hello. <laughs> Which VPN do you use? Sports Social Podcast Network.